this day, this joyful day, this day of Eid, this festival time is for us the commemoration of what is at the essence of the freedom that religion brings. The world today is all about freedoms of various kinds, rights of all sorts. But what is the true freedom, the real Hurriya? It is the Hurriya that recognizes that we are ibad, slaves to Allah alone, that his command alone binds us, that his command alone is trustworthy. On this great day, we hear the takbir from this side and from that. The hajjis are hoarse with crying the takbir. The takbir is the joyful chant of the Eid. The takbir predominates in the prayer of the Eid and in the khutbah of the Eid. Allahu Akbar, two simple words, but the meaning is total. Islam is the religion of takbir. Now normally, with a word that is in the comparative mode, as the grammarians say, we need it to be compared to something. I am smarter than you. This building is nicer than that building. Allahu Akbar is greater than what? The believer doesn't need to complete that sentence. Greater than all things. Akbaru mimma siwa. Greater than me, greater than you, greater than the spinning planet, greater than the cosmic symphony of galaxies and nebulas, greater, unimaginably greater, beyond, outside, creator, master of time and space, Allahu Akbar. And the Hajj and this Eid are the time when we remember this. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his infinite mercy, Arham al-Rahimin, is telling us, say this and mean it. Let it be in your heart. Let it be in your heart. Allah is greater. But in our lives, there are so many other things that seem to distract us from his due. We are neglectful in our prayers. We are neglectful in the rights of others. We are neglectful in what should be the most joyful, consoling thing, which is remembering him at all times. Because something in our heart, the Iblis within us, is saying other things are great as well. And this is the source of our unhappiness. This is what the shaitan promises us. The shaitan promises you only misguidance, a trick, vain glory, deceit. And it's not a very good trick. In the Kaida Shaitani Kana Da'ifa, the Shaitan's Kaid, his plot, <coughs> his conspiracy, those games that he plays with our brains that make us do what we know is wrong, are not very strong. His arguments are weak, because he is weak compared to the majesty of the one of whom we say Allahu Akbar. But still, we listen, because we are weak. Man is created weak. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when this whole matter of the Hajj begins to unfold in its Abrahamic simplicity and in its incomparable majesty, وَإِذْ بَوَّأْنَا لِإِبْرَاهِيمَ مَكَانَ الْبَيْتِ 
ألا تشرك بي شيئا وطهر بيتي للطائفين والعاكفين والركع السجود. Allah commands him in this place. And remember the servitude and the beauty of this Abd, the one who always says Allahu Akbar, the one who sees all of the things that might be the creator of the world as a child. His father, according to the commentators, a maker of idols, he looks for something greater. And Allah guides him to that which is greater, but he pays the price. He becomes a refugee, an outcast, an asylum seeker on his own. No social services, no UNHCR, no organization to support him, absolutely on his own. But why? Because Allahu Akbar. And he's protected from his father, and he's protected from Nimrud. So he's protected from those ties of family, which are sometimes bad ties, when the parents are tyrants. And he is protected from the ruler when a ruler is bad, when the ruler is a tyrant because he says Allahu Akbar. And Allah sends him to this very, very remote place. Wadin Ghayri Di Zara, a valley with nothing growing in it, uncultivable. And at that time, there was not even the well. This extraordinary situation. Hajar Ismail, alayhi salam, sent away into this furthest place. And the lesson here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not look at the circumstances of the world. He does not look at the car that you drive, or the letters after your name, or the greatness in which the world holds you. None of that matters. Uh, the one in whose heart is his name is the one who is great. Inna akramakum Allah atqakum. The noblest of you in Allah's sight uh, is the one who fears him. So the driver of the tyrant is likely to be better than the tyrant himself, although the world doesn't know his name and doesn't care to know who he is. But if in his heart there is Allahu Akbar, then that man is great. So religion turns the world upside down. That which the Iblis within us envies is usually that which brings about our destruction in this world and the next. And that which the world despises, which is remembering truth and being humble and preserving the virtues, is that which makes us truly Allah's khulafa. This is something far, far, far greater than just democracy. Democracy doesn't care about who is good and who is bad, but this does. And it's got nothing to do with who your parents were or what passport you carry or whether you've got money in your bank or not, it is only the taqwa that makes us great. So this verse says, and when we prepared for Ibrahim the, the place of the house, commanding, do not associate any other than me, and purify my house for those who go around it, and those who stand in worship there, and those who bow, and those who make sujood, this commandment. Allah says, tahir bayti." Purify my house. The purity of al-Masjid al-Haram, who can doubt it? The mere majesty of the Kaaba, as the Hajjis see it probably for the first time, brings awe and love and humility to their hearts because it is a sign of the eternity and the infinity of the One who will continue undiminished in His majesty and beauty and power and justice long after their bones are turned to, just, uh, to dust.
the house. Haybatul Bayt, the majesty of the house. And this is a place which we are commanded to purify. Purify it in the case of Sayyidina Muhammad وسلم, by expunging from it all of those outward symbols, ridiculous, scowling, grimacing dummies of wood and stone that in a sense represent that which we do in our own hearts when we say something other than Allah might be Akbar. Uh, this is the great shirk. And he passes around on his final hajj, the Kaaba itself, and he points to the idols one after the other, and they fall down, acknowledging their own emptiness and meaninglessness. And thus too, should religion be in our hearts. So this purity, this tahir, what does it mean? Allah says, لَمَسْجِدٌ أُسِّسَ عَلَى التَّقْوَى مِنْ أَوَّلِ يَوْمٍ أَحَقُّ أَنْ تَقُومَ فِيهِ فِيهِ رِجَالٌ يُحِبُّونَ أَنْ يَتَطَهَّرُوا وَاللَّهُ يُحِبُّ الْمُطَّهِّرِينَ A mosque which is established from the first day on the basis of taqwa is the one in which it is most right that you should stand in prayer in. In it are men who love to purify themselves and Allah loves those who purify themselves. So again this idea of tahara. And as we start to move into Allah's house here in Cambridge, let's bear this in mind. It is the commandment to Ibrahim السلام, that he keeps Allah's greatest house pure. And it is the commandment to the Sahaba of Sayyidina Muhammad وسلم, that they keep the masjid in Medina pure. This is a commandment to us as well, a sunnah of all of the anbiya. But what does it mean? What is this tahara, this purity? The ulama say that it refers to four things in its completeness. Obviously, it refers the first, the most basic outward level to a tahara, purity, from al-ahdath wal-akhbath. This is kind of a fiqh term. Al-Ahdath is the things that break your wudu. Uh, so you make your wudu before you enter the masjid. This is out of adab for Allah's house. And it prepares you psychologically for worship. Because wudu helps you to do away with all of your thoughts and your preoccupations and takes you into a different space. Washes away uh, those shawaghil, those distractions. And makes you ready to face the one. So the ahdath and the akhbath, physical impurity. Don't enter the masjid if there's something on your clothes that is not right, you can't pray with. So if you have a baby in a nappy, the baby can come, but make sure that the nappy will not yield any kind of purity in, impurity in Allah's house. This is essential and required in the fiqh. Uh, hygiene Cleanliness, cleanliness, this is part of the beauty of Islam, but it's also part of the psychological wisdom of a house that has no impurity unlike anywhere else on earth. So this is the first. And the second of these forms of purification means to purify your outward limbs, which includes the tongue, from sins. In other words, you don't take your bad moral habits into the mosque. Hmm? You don't start cursing people, or using bad language, or raising a fist to somebody, 
or even sitting in an inappropriate way in the mosque. It means don't get distracted by your phone in the mosque. Don't get distracted with talking to somebody unnecessarily in the mosque. There are other places for talk. Remember the adab in Allah's house. Otherwise you haven't understood the majesty of the one whose house it is. So no sins. And then the third degree of purification, this ancient Abrahamic commandment, is that we purify the heart from al-akhlaqil al-madhmumah. We purify the heart from ugly traits of character. There must not be in us, however outwardly well we behave, any envy, any suspiciousness, any greed, any rancor, any tendency to manipulate. Uh, all of these things must go. The seven deadly sins. Why do we throw the stones seven times? Uh, it's all enacted for us very plainly because the shaitan wants to get us through laziness, through pride, through hatred, through lust, through all of these qualities which bring us down, that bring us down from our natural condition higher than the angels and turn us into something lower than any animal on earth. We made him the lowest of the low. So this too is a purification a hygienic procedure which we need to take before we dare to enter Allah's house. Don't let those vices, and we know what they are, and they're universal in all cultures and religions, nobody admires these things. Don't let them bring blackness into our heart, even if nobody can see in Allah's house. And then finally, تَطْهِيرُ qalbi amma سِوَ Allah, To purify the heart from everything that is other than Allah. That's the highest. That's the hardest. That's the degree of true dhikr. In other words, in the mosque, the various jumping monkeys in your subconscious that are telling you to think about this and to remember that and to plan this and all of those other useless things, hadith and nafs, they are chained and subjugated so that your only concern is the creator. So that your qibla is one. So that you become something unusual a person of inward discipline. So many of us discipline ourselves to pass exams or to get jobs or to impress our bosses. We are capable of discipline, but this inward discipline, so that everything in this ikhlas is for Allah alone. That is the tricky thing. So this is the meaning of purifying Allah's house. It means purifying ourselves from all of these ugly things. And it means also the path of happiness. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is calling us to happiness. He's not created us to make us miserable. He's not created us to go to hell. He's calling us to dar al-sa'ada, the abode of felicity. Dar al-salam, the abode of peace. And the Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam at the yawm al-qiyam will be interceding for his ummah. Saying, Rabbi sallim, sallim, O Lord, save, save. They are on our side. Religion is on our side. But on the other side are those little specks of dirt within our soul that we think are going to make us happy. We think that this vice is going to bring us some kind of happiness, that this laziness, that this inappropriate gaze, that this inappropriate game, that this lie, that this words that brings hurt to somebody's heart, 
is going to bring us some kind of happiness, but it doesn't. Truly, Allah's awliya, there is no fear on them, neither do they grieve. Wouldn't we love to be like that? Fearful of nothing, sad about nothing. How did they get there? The wali is the one whose good actions, whose pure actions, come one after another in compliance with, with, with the sunnah, inwardly as well as outwardly. So our good actions are not interrupted by episodes of bad actions, but instead come naturally. This is the wali. And if we are in that state, then we will taste happiness. When we do our work well and honestly, then we will be happy. When we are decent with other people, with our neighbors, with family, then we will be happy. When we are respectful of the masjid and of our prayers, then we will be happy. This is the secret of religion. It's not calling you to a mountain of difficult actions. It's just calling you to happiness and protecting you from everything that is reluctant to say Allahu Akbar. Uh, but we must. With all of these things, however precious they might seem, grab them. As Sayyidina Ibrahim salam, grabbed his own son to say Allahu Akbar, sharpening the knife, being prepared to obey the divine commandment, going against all of our own personal preferences. Why? Because when we obey, the doors of Qabul, of Allah's acceptance, are opened to us and an unimaginable future entails. Look at the Hajj. Imagine the Eid today in Mecca. Imagine the hearts of the believers around the world as they celebrate this. Why? Because of that act of obedience. Ibrahim Khalilullah alayhi salam remembered Allahu Akbar and so did his son. And because of that obedience, because of preferring ruh over nafs, because of preferring akhirah over dunya, because of preferring the command of heaven over one's own personal preferences, look at this extraordinary outcome. All of those prayers, all of those sacrifices, all of those righteous deeds, uh, the reward is attributed in one sense to him, alayhi salam, and to his obedient and faithful son. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to learn this lesson, which is the lesson of the Hajj and the lesson of the Eid, that is, uh, out of hardship comes ease. Wa al-usri yusra. Out of hardship comes ease. And help us and give us the niyyah and the strength and the remembrance to avoid sin, to remember that it never makes us happy, and the inward strength and the remembrance that makes us naturally gravitate towards whatever is right in every situation. And may this be for us and this congregation and the entire Ummah, insha'Allah. Barakallahu feekum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.